0: It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstock 95.3, Michiana's News Channel with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Now, here's your host, Casey Hendrickson.
1: Hey, everybody. I want to thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michigan's news channel. You're listening to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. And again, we've got Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, Josh Gregory. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. And so this is going to be a very interesting show. We're going to talk about 401Ks. And by the way, we've got some tips and information about 401Ks you've probably never heard of. So if 401Ks are important to you, and they're pretty much important to basically everybody who wants to retire you're going to have to listen to this program because we're going to have some new information for you. We've got a bunch of listener questions today, and if you have any questions you want to submit, please go to wisemoneyradio.com. Now you can also call 574-222-2000. So that's 222-2000. Just leave your question on the voicemail and try not to be too expletive-laden. <laughs> that, that would help with the editing process. We'd appreciate that. <laughs> All right, so today we're going to talk about the top six 401k features that you may not know about and probably should consider if you have a 401k or a retirement plan, maybe through your job or at work. So before we get into these tips and tricks, why is this a relevant topic to somebody's overall financial plan? Are people starting to move away from 401ks or or what? No, actually the opposite. I think they're moving towards them. In fact. You know, the
2: the days of working 35 years for an employer and then retiring with some fat pension and a a nice Social Security check, those, those days are long gone. In fact, I read a statistic, only 14% of people working in the private sector, so non-government jobs, they have pensions these days. So they're becoming a thing of the past and they're shifting towards 401ks instead. It used to be that employers, uh, they made big promises about what kind of pension check you'd receive at the end of a long career, and then they kept all that uh, responsibility and risk on their shoulders to make sure that your retirement is funded. Now that that responsibility and the risk is shifting to the workers' uh, shoulders, they are the ones that are going to have to live with the outcomes of their own saving patterns, their own uh, investment decisions, that kind of thing. And it's, it's all because of the, the growth and popularity over the 401k.
3: And when you hear us say 401k, think employer-sponsored retirement plan. Mm -hmm. So if you're working in a church and you think, well, wait a minute, I have a 403B. It's because you do. It's just a different section of the tax code. There are different types of employer-sponsored retirement plans. Think a simple IRA, uh, 457 plan. So there are a lot of different plans. We're going to use 401K really in the generic sense to just talk about employer retirement plans.
1: All right, so let's go with the first tip here, which is getting the maximum employer match now, what do you mean by this, and and why is it the very first tip on your list? Well, so
4: most companies that offer, uh, not not all, but most companies that offer a retirement plan at work, so a 401k, offer some incentive as well for the employees to start contributing. So a a common, actually called a safe harbor match, is if the employer, or excuse me, the employee contributes 5%, the company, the employer, will match and do another 4%. The reason why this is tip number one is really twofold. First, that's a pretty significant return on your investment right there. If you look at it as a return on your money, you put 5% in, the company puts 4%, that's an 80% return or something crazy like that. That's, that's huge. But second, Kevin, I think you've got some stats on this. A lot of people are not getting their full employer match, so that's why it's tip number one. It may seem obvious to a lot of folks, but many people are missing out on it.
3: Yeah, a recent report by Financial Engines found that one in four employees is missing out on receiving the full company match by not saving enough. And you think, well, what? How would you quantify that? Um, what they came up with was it's about twenty-four billion dollars, with a B, billion. Twenty-four billion dollars is being left on the table by people not contributing up to the amount that would be matched by their employer. That is just staggering.
2: Yeah, that's mind-boggling to me because, you know, to to leave that kind of money on the table, I mean, anybody out there knows you don't leave free money on the table. There's got to be some reason, and, you know, the catch is always that it is a match. Right? I mean, you have to do something to go get this free money that your employer is offering to you. And if you can't or won't go get that money, to me, that's a symptom of a couple issues. You know, one is maybe you have a cash flow problem and budgeting, it, it just doesn't fit. You need every dollar coming home that you earn possible just to, to make ends meet approaching that with a budgeting uh aspect you know focusing in on your cash flow would maybe help solve that problem but for some people it could also be uh, a concern about their longevity with the company you know maybe they're not committed long term to that role and they are afraid that some dollars will be left on the table mm-hmm. um you know a lot of employers these days still have a vesting schedule which basically just means if you leave the employer uh, after working there not long enough, you know maybe three years, five years, or whatever, the money that your employer throws in may be forfeited to you. So if if someone just doesn't see themselves working there long term, maybe that's part of the reason why they're not taking advantage of it.
1: So again, if you're not putting more in it uh, because you feel like you can't afford to do so, you may have what again cash flow problem. Maybe you need to explore the. Uh, the avenue of getting a financial planner to help you manage your funds so you can put more in that 401k and get that equal match. So we've got the uh, the second tip here, and that is using the auto increase feature of your 401k. So what is that and why is that important? So
4: often we're talking with folks who are just unprepared or underprepared for retirement. And so what Josh mentioned to kick off the show that fewer and fewer companies offer pensions and making employees more and more responsible for their own uh, retirement savings. This auto increase feature popped up, which is basically a way for uh, your contribution amount to increase by 1% per year automatically without you doing anything. So think about it this way. Hopefully, you're in a job where each year you make a little bit more money. And wouldn't it be great as each year as you make, you know, either get a cost of living raise or a small increase that you just set a little bit of that aside for your for your retirement? And that's what this is designed to do. Hands off on autopilot your contributions will increase 1% per year up until it reaches a maximum amount.
2: Well, if you consider the alternative, w- when people get pay raises, the natural thing to do is they just spend more money, right? Your your lifestyle tends to drift higher as you make more money, whereas this is a, a natural and automatic, very disciplined way to capture some of those pay raises that you were just mentioning and you know, hopefully help you get ready for your retirement as opposed to just letting the dollars slip away in the meantime.
3: Yeah, and about 55% of the plans out there have an auto-increase feature. So not every plan out there has an auto-increase feature. So you want to be looking at the information that your HR person has given to you and see what are the features available in my plan that I might want to take advantage of. And we're we're getting towards the end of the year where people start thinking about, well, how did this year go for me? And what, what changes do I want to make for next year to make it a better year? And we just want to encourage folks to dust off the 401k info and see what they have and what's available to them. And take advantage of some of these things because the auto increase is great. And also the... Um, auto-enrollment feature. Yeah, so
4: so part of this, part of the auto-increase also is accompanied by auto-enrollment and that, again, same sort of reason why this came about. The employers are trying to encourage people to get in the 401k and so from the very beginning, as soon as you're hired from your first paycheck, you can have automatic contributions already going into the 401k without you even doing anything. So that's a good thing because it gets you started, but it can also catch you by surprise. So just be aware.
1: Okay. Hopefully, hopefully your employer is having those meetings yeah, and they're required meetings and you're attending the <laughs> meetings and they're explaining all of this to you, but uh, you still got to pay attention.
3: Yeah, that's an, that's an opt-out yep. feature. And yep. About 65% of the plans out there have that auto-enrollment feature. I actually thought
2: that these would not be very well received. You know, there's sometimes a stigma that a lot of, uh, a lot of people would say, I-, I don't want my employer or the retirement plan making this decision for me. How much am I going to contribute? That kind of thing. But more and more people that I talk to, they're fine with it. They're letting their uh, contributions increase year after year. Uh, for most people that I've seen, it increases 1% each year. So maybe you start out at 3% and five years in, you're up to 8%. If you're just capturing normal pay raises,
1: then you might not feel it. So tip number three, is setting up an auto rebalance of your investments. So why is this one on the list? Um, and is that available in all the 401k plans out there too? Or It's not available in
4: all of them, but many of them do have it. If you've got online access to your 401k, typically you can set it up that way. But it's it's essentially a way to, when you establish your investment mix and your overall risk tolerance, the auto rebalance allows for once a year or every quarter, you can set up the frequency where... Any, any way that your investments got out of alignment, it resets them back to, the, your, to your original intention. And what's happening in the market right now is a great illustration of why that could be important. Over the past few years, stocks have done so much better than bonds that without you really knowing, you may have more stocks in your portfolio than you were originally comfortable with. And right now, stocks are taking a beating while bonds are doing just fine. So an auto rebalance would shave off some of the growth in your stocks and add that portion back to bonds and help keep your risk level in line.
2: Which, by the way, is the least likely thing that most people would do naturally. You oh, know, right? sure. they're, they're more likely to sell those bonds that are lagging behind and load up more on the stocks. And essentially what they'd be doing is the exact opposite of the old adage, you want to buy low, sell high, right? So rebalancing is a natural and disciplined way to, as you said, shave off some of the stuff that has done especially well and buy those things that are more maybe a, a bargain.
1: So in the next segment, we'll continue on with some of the uh, features we got through the first three tips for your 401k. We've got the uh, the other three tips coming up in the next segment. I do want to remind everybody that if you have a question, whether it's about 401ks or anything involving financial planning, please go to wisemoneyradio.com. You can listen to previous shows there, but the best feature is you can submit a question right there on the website. We also have a phone number for you to call 574-222-2000. That's 574 574- 222-2000, and you can leave your question on the voicemail there, and we'll be able to address that as well in a future show. We've got more coming up. You're listening to Wise Money with Coren Financial Group right here on Newstock 95-3, Michiana's News Channel.
0: This is Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group on Newstock 95-3, News Channel.
1: Everybody, welcome back. Once again, you're uh, listening to Wise Money with Core Financial Group here on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Now, in case you're just joining us, we've been talking about ways to get the most out of your 401K, and there are six tips that they are giving you guys today that you may not know. And we've gone over the first three so far. We've got three more to go. Uh, the first three were, again, maximizing your employer match, also using the auto increase feature, and then also setting up an auto rebalance and again, if you missed those segments, go to wisemoneyradio.com. You can listen to old shows, so you can go back if you did miss it. You can also submit all of your financial planning questions. And once again, if you do have a financial planning question, maybe you want to call us. 574-222-2000. Now, that's not live. That's a voicemail, but 574 574- 222-2000, you can leave your financial planning question in the voicemail. All right, so we're on to uh, tip number four. It is something that is gaining a little bit more awareness as uh, the public is being awakened, and the responsibility is now shifting to the employee rather than the employer when it comes to 401ks and retirement. Uh, but it is considering using a Roth 401k. So explain the difference between a regular 401k and a Roth 401k, guys. Yeah, so typically a a
4: A regular 401k, or what most people think about when they think of a 401k, is that your contributions are going in pre-tax. So the money that you're putting in is creating a tax deduction today, so it's helping you on your taxes today, and then it's all growing, and someday when you start pulling dollars out, that's when you got to pay your tax on it. The Roth, the Roth 401k, is where you're not getting a deduction on your contributions today. So it does not help you on your taxes today, but the growth on that you get to pull out tax-free in retirement. And so the Roth IRA has picked up a lot of steam, and with that popularity, the Roth 401k was introduced, and that's
3: now in most 401ks these days. So Yeah, yeah, and another... F- interesting feature is that my retirement money, when I hit 70.5, I have to take a required minimum distribution. They take the amount of money I had at the end of the year, divide it by my life expectancy, and that's how much I have to take out of my retirement plan dollars with a t- traditional 401k, a pre tax 401k, if you will. And a Roth IRA is just a Roth 401k is like a Roth IRA in that. You never have to take a required minimum distribution.
2: I remember one time explaining to a client who happened to work for the U.S. Postal Service how a Roth IRA works, describing it pretty similar to what you guys were just saying. You know, it doesn't save you any money up front. You're going to pay your taxes uh, now, but then avoid them in the future. You don't care what happens with tax rates uh, out there in retirement because you already You already took your lumps up front. And she was listening to this, and I was kind of watching her face, making sure she understood what I was saying. And I saw the light bulb go on, and she said, Oh, I get it. A Roth IRA or a Roth 401k is like a forever stamp. Uh-huh. And I said, "Okay, that is the perfect analogy right there. You, I'm stealing that. I'm going to use it for the rest of my career. I think." But there you go. You know, the, this idea that with a forever stamp, you pay the price up front. It doesn't matter what the cost of a stamp goes to in the future. Your stamp is worth, uh, you know, the the, the shipment of a, a package or an envelope or whatever. Same thing with the the Roth IRA. You paid up front. You don't have to worry about it anymore. We it, love the we love the Roth. You know, if it's oh, a jump you ball, you taxes chip. are
1: always going to go up. Yeah, I mean that's just the assumption. So yeah, doing right. the forever stamp now might be a good move. Absolutely, uh,
3: and a lot of times people say, well, which one should I put my money into? Should I put it into the traditional 401k or the Roth 401k? It's still the same plan, but it's a uh, you're putting the hose in a different bucket and. Um, that really depends on your financial plan. And yeah, that's, that's where sure. tax planning is really important. The nice thing about a, either a Roth IRA or Roth 401k, it gives you some income tax diversification. So it gives you some choices down the road when you have to start taking some distributions and, and uh, climbing down the mountain, if you will. And if you consider your situation today and you're in a low tax bracket or at some point a no tax bracket then you wouldn't want to use a pre-tax component of your plan. We see that all the time,
4: folks just not really realizing that, not connecting those dots.
3: Yeah, so that's that's where we believe that people's financial lives really should be integrated, because we're talking about, in theory, we're talking about investments and re- retirement plans that are sponsored by our employer, but, the, but tax planning is a big deal here. Oh, yeah.
1: All right, so why would somebody consider a Roth 401k and not just get a Roth IRA?
4: Yeah, that's simple. The you can contribute more to the Roth 401k. Your your maximum okay. contribution limit each year is higher
3: for a 401k than it is an IRA. And you you might be
1: in a in a income tax bracket where you can't do. Great point. Now, can you get a, a 401k, a Roth 401k, anytime that there's a 401k available? And what if you've got like a 403b or maybe you're using a simple IRA?
3: So the 401k, if it's a feature in your plan, you can. Same thing with the 403b. There's no Roth feature with a simple IRA. Simple not, IRA is just pre-tax money.
1: Not yet. I'm assuming it's coming, but now I got Is there anybody out there that should be using... Who should use the Roth, who is um, maybe using the regular traditional 401k? Because I know you guys said you're a fan of the Roth, but is there like a group that you would say, "Eh, stay with the traditional? If you're younger, the the longer that you can let
2: the money grow in a tax-free environment, the more powerful it becomes, and the lower income uh, bracket that you find yourself in, the Roth IRA is the clear winner there. Okay.
1: All right. Fair enough. All right. So we've got tip number five. Uh, it also has something to do with taxes, I know, shock, uh, and tax planning, and that is consider making after-tax contributions if you are maxing out your pre-tax or your Roth 401k contributions. So this doesn't sound like it would, it would it would be that helpful, but why is this one on the list? Because it could be. It could be extremely helpful. does not
4: apply to a lot of folks, and listed there in the tip, it would only apply to those who are already maximizing their either pre-tax or Roth contributions which this year is 18,000 or if you're older 50 or older is 24,000 but if you're in that rare group where you're maximizing those contributions check to see if your plan allows after-tax contributions because you can actually contribute more than that 18,000 or 24,000 maximum and you can put it in after tax, and then each year use those after tax dollars to be rolled over to your IRA. So it's a sneaky backdoor way of getting dollars into a Roth IRA to grow tax-free.
2: That issue is gonna get you hate mail this week. I'm looking forward to so, it. <laughs> someone's gonna argue with you that that is not possible, you're limited, and so on. but. Uh, we'll look forward to that in the future, I guess. It'll be good entertainment for A us. lot of CPAs, though,
4: don't know this rule.
2: Oh, yeah. and, and a lot of financial
4: professionals don't know it. So you should consider it if you fall into these circumstances.
1: Only Mike Bernard from Core Financial Group <laughs> has this information, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> He's the only one.
3: <laughs> no, but if you if you heard about it and, and you weren't aware of it, you... It, as a financial professional, your instinct would be to say, well, actually, that's not true, or you heard it wrong, or that's not possible. But we're referring to the Section 415 limits, and it's out there. It, it is a little bit too good to be true, and it's it's very, very, very rare. Yep. But you should be aware of it if uh, if your situation fits this. You right?
2: just took this show to an all-new low, by the way. You just cited the Internal Revenue Code.
1: He did. Yeah, we only have one person listening right now that's my mom
0: everyone
1: too you know what's funny though is that a lot of my audience is now looking this up because they're immediately looking for a uh, conspiracy i'm sure the fed show was uh, was a lot of fun for them last week yes
3: uh, well you can only enroll in this during the third blood moon of the year and uh, a, f-
1: a few other restrictions we missed it we just missed it all right, tip number six is determine whether you should be investing in target date funds on your own mix. What the heck does that even mean?
4: Yeah, so actually target date funds. So you pick your pick a target date fund or pick out your own mix. And you know, it's interesting that the last tip we're covering is about how to invest your money. Most people, when they're talking about 401ks, that's the first thing they think of. Well, uh, you know, if I use this fund, what's my return going to be? But we just talked about five tips, ways to improve your 401k and build up that nest egg that have nothing to do with investment performance that are also completely in your control. So your investment decisions are important, and so picking a target date fund or your own custom mix is important, uh, but n- not uh, only makes it sixth on the list.
3: Yeah, w- we would encourage people to focus uh, on investor behavior, not investment performance because if i'm dialed in to my investment performance and i'm not saving enough money to reach my goals or something like that in essence i'm i'm just rearranging deck chairs on the titanic here i it, it's nothing meaningful and it's not going to have a meaningful result whether i got seven percent or eight percent of a rate of return on my plan if i'm not saving enough or addressing the other situations
4: all right. Sounds good. A, a target date fund, though, could be appropriate if you're contributing a smaller amount or your balance in your 401k is, is pretty basic. So a smaller amount. Once you get up to where you're maxing out your 401k each year or maybe have six figures or more in your 401k, you'd probably, you'd probably benefit from a custom mix where you can get more diversification.
2: Okay. But that's getting harder, though. I mean, a lot of, you know, there's 401k consultants out there that are going around to employers and saying, hey, you need to shrink the number of funds or, or investment options available to your employees because if you give them too many they won't participate it will just be confusing and everything and that drives me yeah, absolutely drives me crazy i'm assuming
4: the math and research supports that but i completely disagree as right. i'm working with someone i want to see emerging markets i want to see uh, some inflation protected securities i want to see real estate where i can really diversify with someone and yeah it goes against what a lot of uh
2: plan consultants are doing right well instead of shrinking the number get Get a professional involved with these employees and help have, you know, provide the coaching that they need to use a more robust lineup. You're, yeah. don't shrink it. You got it. I don't it. know. Preaching that just to the choir makes
1: me mad. All right. We're all about just the tips today. Oh, just yeah. the tips on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. And again, <laughs> Mike Bernard, uh, Josh Gregory, of course, Kevin Corhorn. I'm Casey Hendrickson. And if you have a question for uh, for the Corhorn guys, uh, go to wisemoneyradio.com. You can also listen to previous episodes. You can also give us a call and leave your question via voicemail at 574-222-2000. That is 222-2000. We've got some listener questions and things like that coming up in the next segment. Once again, you're listening to Wise Money with Quorum Financial Group right here on News Newstalk 95.3, Michigan's News Channel.
0: This is Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel.
1: Welcome back once again. You're listening to Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group. And, of course, you can find the guys if you're looking for a financial planner online at corehorn.com That is spelled with a K. If you're a fan of the show and you have a financial planning question, go to wisemoneyradio.com. You may also give us a call and submit your question via voicemail at 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. 2000. All right, guys. So we've got some listener questions in our effort to, uh, to start addressing all of these questions uh, that we've been getting because we've been getting a little bit behind on them. We've got John from Granger. He says, my wife and I just got married. We're trying to get out of debt. We have a car loan at four percent interest, which isn't bad, by the way, a big yeah. student loan at six percent and a small student loan from my wife's previous church at zero percent. What should we do?
2: I feel like this question needed to be a live question because how do you get a loan from your church?
1: Did I did I hear that right? That's or? what that's what the question says. So unless they were, you know, high when they wrote it, that's <laughs> that's what it says. But I mean who wouldn't want who wouldn't want a small student loan uh, from a church? I've never heard of that before. And not but, a grant, a loan. Right. A zero percent loan. Scholarship yeah. or
2: something. Whatever. Um, You know, I I think I would approach this, uh, even disregarding the puzzling church loan there, um, I I would approach this with a debt snowball um, process. Basically, this is where you start making minimum payments on all of your loans, except for the smallest balance. And we don't have actual balances here or anything, but... um, You start chipping away, putting all extra payments, everything that you can scrape together each month on the smallest balance so that you just wipe that thing out quickly. And what you're doing is you're freeing up cash flow. Once that debt is gone, the payment's gone with it, and you can roll all of those payments onto the next loan, and it just starts snowballing in your favor. And it's one of the most encouraging ways to tackle debt. Um, you know, some people would say, well, no, you go after the highest interest rate loans first or you take the riskiest debt first. Student loans, I would say, is the riskiest debt yep. um, just because you, you don't have any protection under bankruptcy law or sure. any other way. They only go away when you pay them off. So uh, I, I'm a big fan of using the debt snowball approach, even if mathematically, you might be able to speed things up or spend less in interest if you go after the higher interest rate first.
1: Well, you know, something else, too, as somebody who's done the debt snowball successfully in the past, and now I totally have to do it again, um, psychologically, it is beneficial to the person who is using it. Uh, If you you tackle a $150,000 student loan and you're paying extra on it, and you're not seeing any benefit, any gain, and then, of course, life events happen and that sort of thing. But you know, if you go after a $2,000 debt and you get rid of that, you go after a $3,000 debt next and you get rid of that fairly quick, psychologically, it's like, I'm making progress. Yeah. I'm not treading water. I'm it's making huge. progress. And, and so, you don't
2: get that if you go do a debt consolidation bingo. type of loan or whatever. Yeah. And and that's probably the most important takeaway. It's not about getting out of debt fastest. It's about coming out of the debt with a real, genuine hatred for
1: that debt so yes. that you don't go right back into the same problem. Absolutely. All right, guys, so next we have Terry from Elkhart, 51 years old. I I own a small manufacturing business in Elkhart County, and we have managed to remain profitable through the recession and have even seen better results over the past couple of years. Congratulations, by the way. However, we're feeling the pressure to add a retirement plan for our 45 employees so we don't lose our best workers due to compensation. So far, we seem to be bouncing back and forth between a simple IRA or a 401k, Do you have any words of wisdom that would steer us one direction or another? Well, it fits right in with the the program today.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So when you look at the simple IRA, that's a savings incentive match plan for employees. And you can set those up anywhere between January 1 and October first of any calendar year. You can't have two plans in the same year. And so if it's after October first, it's too late to get it set up in that year. It's for a company that has 100 employees or less. And the, it's, it's simple, as its uh, name suggests. The, there's a 3% match or a 2% non-elective contribution. And um, in 2015, uh, the, the limits for a simple IRA are 12500 and then a $2,500 match. So you can get a good amount of money put away. Um, part of it is really the question, what's important to you? What, what's the most important thing? Sometimes what the, the employer might look at is what kind of liability do I want to have? Simple IRA, very low liability, very low cost, very uh, easy to set up and maintain. 401k is a little bit different. You accept some liabilities. Um, when you talk about the different contribution limits in, uh, with a 401k. In 2015, you put 18000 in and a $6,000 catch-up if you're 50 and older. Um, with a 401k, you could have one employee up to really unlimited. And the 401ks are governed by ERISA, which is the Employee Retirement Income Security Act. And that has roots in South Bend, interestingly enough, uh, tied to Studebaker and when uh, Studebaker failed and what happened to all the folks there that had um, uh, the the company had obligations to take care of
4: and Mm -hmm. didn't. I'm glad you brought in South Bend, because as soon as you said Arissa, we might have lost that one listener who was still (laughs) remaining after the tax code comments. I would actually tell Terry... She
1: seemed nice. (laughs) I would tell Terry,
4: hey, you need to sit down with a coach here who can offer both a 401k and a simple IRA, because we just don't know enough about your situation to determine which one's better. So don't go to just a 401k salesman and say, well, which one do I need? Because they they might be blinded. A simple IRA is usually cheaper, and if you're trying... If you've weathered some tough storms, you might like that feature, but you can contribute more to a 401k, and if you're trying to retain people in a pretty competitive market, you might prefer that. So, you sit down with a coach who can offer you both and can kind of T-chart it
3: with you.
1: Yeah. Sounds like the employees are a little concerned about retirement now, and they're starting to look for an option. He's trying to find the best option to retain them and also not cost him an arm and a leg. So
3: Yeah, and I would that, that coach that Mike's talking to, I'd have a coach that could help your employees that could coach your employees as
1: well. Oh, All right. yeah. Sounds good, guys. uh, We're going to go ahead and take a quick time out. We're going to come back, and we will talk uh, about Amy from Niles, who has a pretty interesting uh, question about a car. We'll talk about that. Once again, if you have any financial planning questions, please go to wisemoneyradio.com. You can also give us a call at 574-222-2000. That is 574-222-2000. Leave your question via voicemail. And if you need a financial advisor, please go to corehorn.com with a K. Uh, financial planner I should say dot uh, corehorn.com and if you can go ahead and link up with the guys from core financial group we got more coming up you're listening to wise money right here on Newstalk ninety five three news channel
0: this is wise money with corehorn financial group on Newstock ninety five three news channel and welcome back. Once again, you're listening to Wise Money with
1: and Financial Group. Got Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, Josh Gregory. I'm Casey Hendrickson. And we have been uh, taking listener questions today. The show has been about 401ks. Uh, but again, that's the first two segments. If you missed them, please go to wisemoneyradio.com. And once the podcast is uploaded, you'll be able to go ahead and listen to that uh, part of the show and all, of, all of the previous shows that we have also done on Wise Money as well. All right, so we left off with Amy from Niles said, I'd like to replace my car. I'm not sure what my budget should be, and I'm also not sure whether I should get a lease or just buy it. Oh, the old lease versus buy. Man, you got fans on both sides of that, aisle, don't we?
4: Yeah, and I think we're a little divided on that, too. Most of the time... I would recommend that you buy the car I, it, probably 99 times out of a 100 and as far as your budget that or excuse me yeah as far as your budget for the car that really should be dependent upon your monthly budget and your overall uh, financial goals and where you stand with those. So not a big fan of a car payment. We've worked with a lot of people who uh, have, just didn't think it's possible to pay cash for a car and you start them on a discipline plan. And sure enough, a few years later they're paying cash for a car. And that's a, that's a pretty, pretty exciting thing.
2: Well, and that discipline approach requires that they plan ahead though. Yep. Because if you wait until you absolutely have to buy that next car, the ability to save up a down payment or save up enough to just pay cash for the thing, I mean, it's just not going to happen. You'd have to be liquidating some long-term assets or something like that. in fact, I mean even the way that she framed this question she said I'd like to replace my car. Yeah. It it almost implies oh I want to I'm ready to trade, you know I'm ready to do ready something different yeah. whatever. But if you don't have to, yeah. if you could keep driving that car for another couple years even and begin the disciplined approach of setting aside say 250 bucks a month. You know just just get into that habit of Paying yourself two hundred and fifty dollars a month. After a couple of years, you know you got six grand saved up. That's either a nice down payment on you know that newer vehicle. It could buy you a vehicle depending on you know how old you're willing to
3: uh, to and drive trading, or whatever, and what your trading could be, which right. you could get for yours. Or could just buy you more time. I mean, if you, if you have a vehicle right now, you need to be setting aside a hundred dollars a month for the expense of that vehicle because you might not have a repair bill today, but Driving a car and maintaining a car is going to cost at least a hundred bucks a month, depending on where you're driving. All
4: right, and and we talked about this a little bit before the show, but there are rare circumstances where I actually think a lease could make sense if you are driving your vehicle for work. And I don't mean to and from work or I've got to travel a lot. No, I mean you're actually getting customers in your car, and so you've got to have a nice car and you put a lot of miles on it. I would consider a lease, but one that doesn't have mileage restrictions, because you know you're going to update your vehicle every three years anyway, and it might be a cheaper option to go with a lease instead. It only applies to just a few people, but I think that at
1: least can make sense in that case. Now, if she's one of those people that's riding and going, I'm looking at upgrading my car. Right? Maybe she's one of those people just gets really bored with a car and starts to hate the car after two or three years. Would at least still be a better option for her? The problem
4: is, it's hard to get ahead financially and really build wealth if a lot of money is going into vehicles because the inherent problem with a vehicle as an asset is it depreciates in value instead of appreciates in value. So if you're just kind of I'm still with this vehicle. I'd like a change of scenery here. And we want to throw money at that. You're probably not funding some other goals that could need attention that could help you build wealth.
2: Yeah. Go, go change your hairstyle or something, you know, do, do something else. If you need change that often, don't let the car, you know, buying one of the most expensive items that you're ever going to buy one that falls in value so quickly. Don't let that, that be the thing that you're constantly changing in. If you really have to go get a vehicle, you know, wait a few months, I bet you'll get a good deal on Volkswagen here before too long. <laughs> yeah,
3: borrow, borrow your brother's car or something. But, I mean, the, to, to answer the question, what should her budget be, that is, that, that, you don't want to answer, answer that question in a vacuum. You yeah. want to look at the context of Amy's financial life and say, Amy, what are your financial goals? What is it going to cost to fund them? And what do you have to put toward a car? I'm going to park on that for a second. I know we got other questions Casey, sorry. We'll we'll hit that next. But so
4: often we yeah, see Yeah, forget people, the rest of the listeners. They're no, not no, as no, important as Amy. Not, yeah. It's okay. <laughs> no, this this really this the Wise Money Show is about financial planning. And there's are six areas to someone's financial plan: your present financial position, protection planning, tax planning, investment planning, retirement and college planning, and estate planning. And so often people come up against emotional decisions like this, like buying a car or buying a house, and they look at their budget completely ignoring the fact that there are some other big financial goals that they just haven't attended to. I'm not saving enough for college, but I'd say that's a goal. I'm not saving enough for retirement, but that's a goal. I haven't got life insurance or a will and estate plan, but I want to spend money on a new vehicle. No, the decision should be made in the context of your overall
1: financial plan. Can I just throw this out there, too? We don't know if she's got a payment. right? We don't know if, if she's upside down in the car. right? If she has positive equity... She likely won't get that positive equity when she trades that car in. Let's be honest, yeah. the dealership is probably going to try and break even. Still, probably even roll a thousand bucks, even if she's got plus five thousand in equity on that thing. They're still probably going to roll a thousand dollars in negative negative equity into the new car. Um, so it, it all depends on how that deal is working and what the position with her ownership of the car is, and how strong her ownership of the car is, because. I'll be honest with you, Amy, if you're negative $8,000 in that car and you want to go buy a new car, it's going to it's gonna suck. Yeah, <laughs> It's yeah, going to be, long be long awful. Time, right? And that is, you want to talk about a debt snowball? That's just in the opposite <laughs> yeah. direction, because you're never getting rid of that $8,000 that are going to roll into that new loan. All right, uh, we got Austin and Granger. This question is really for my parents, because they are helping my grandmother uh, get settled into a nursing home this weekend and seem to be worried about how quickly her money is going to get used up. Do you have any suggestions? that I could pass along with them on how to protect her money?
2: Well, I think the compassionate answer is just, you know, sympathizing because...
1: I thought for, you were going to go hospice there. I'll yeah, be honest, the compassionate answer, no. I thought you were going to go hospice. <laughs> no, no,
2: <laughs> no you, you know, th- this is actually a big deal, and uh, it's becoming a bigger and bigger deal as seniors and baby boomers and, and so on continue to age and, and whatnot. Um, but we've all heard horror stories of mom or dad or grandma and grandpa going into a nursing home and the family farm has to be sold or the business has to be liquidated to pay for this thing. And, you know, sometimes the way that it's framed to us is all oh, the, uh, we, we have to sell the farm because the nursing home or the state is taking all our money. Right. Right. When in reality, no grandma is going into a nursing home to get a very valuable service that unfortunately the family can't provide anymore. Maybe she or needs, won't. you know, more more care.
3: What'd you say? Or won't, or won't.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's possible too. Sometimes you don't want grandma, grandpa around. Yeah, right. That's
3: true. Well, and and oftentimes you can't. You f- you f- you flat Physi- out you can't. physically can't. There's a difference between caring for someone and yeah. providing care for someone. I can I can drive by once a week to make sure the lawn's getting mowed, but as as far as you know, the strength yeah to lift someone out of bed in the morning and and get them where they need to go get them dressed and fed and these things um that's a that's a t awful job very tough
2: well and the the idea of trying to preserve the money is somewhat of a controversial one, yeah because essentially what you're saying um is I know that grandma has some money she could pay for her care, but we want to try to shelter those dollars and let the state or taxpayers pay it instead through the Medicaid system. And Medicaid is, is saying, hey, well, we're not going to pay any of those nursing home bills until grandma, all, she, she's exhausted all of her own resources. She's spent it all down. Now we will be the safety net, the social safety net to make sure that she has the care that, that she needs. So there's a whole area of planning out there that's getting harder and harder, but it still exists. It's, it's elder law planning or Medicaid planning where people try to um, kind of artificially create an environment where the, the state starts paying earlier. They they look in the eyes of Medicaid like Grandma is more poor than what she really had, and a lot of times it's by shifting assets around, gifting assets to the kids, that sort of thing. Um, you know, if that's something that that you feel comfortable with, there are attorneys out there, elder law attorneys that specialize in this sort of thing, um, and sometimes you know you can you can preserve. I've seen as much as half of the assets be protected.
4: And I'm rereading this question as I'm listening to you guys. And this is hitting home for me that I've told you guys that I've just dealt with a lot of social security issues this year and just a ton of nursing home and long-term care stuff. So I'm reading this question as I'm listening to you. And Austin's asking the question for his parents because they're helping grandma. So Austin, what can you do? Encourage mom and dad to go buy long-term care insurance. It's expensive. They're not going to want to do it, but encourage them to come up with a plan for themselves. So you're not finding yourself in the same situation. Yep. Learn
2: from Grandma's situation. Yep. I
4: told my folks, you're, "I love you guys, and I'd, I'd love to take care of you." No, I didn't. I actually didn't say <laughs> That's that. <a> I <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay taking care of you. But
4: I'm going. You guys are buying the long-term care insurance, or I'm going to buy it for you because it's
1: just that important. Yeah, my mom keeps telling me that she wants me to retire her on a Caribbean island or something. I think Turks and Caicos is where she wants to go. And I'm like, yeah, yeah how, how am I going to do that? <laughs> I've got one car. That's not going to happen, Mom. <laughs> uh, have fun living in the school cafeteria. That's going to be a good one. Uh, no, I'm not leaving her in the school cafeteria. Okay, maybe I will. All right, guys, uh, any uh, final parting words before we get out of here? Yeah,
4: we we like to inspire each show, inspire the listeners to take some action so you should look into the details of how your retirement plan is structured, what some of the features are, and sit down with a coach to see which of those features make sense in your own situation. That coach should have a broad, full planning perspective so that they're looking at all of your financial goals, but see what features that we talked about today
1: may apply to your situation. All right. Sounds good. Of course, if you need a financial planner, Please go to corehorn.com. That's spelled with a K, corehorn.com. If you're a fan of the show and you have a question about financial planning, wisemoneyradio.com is where you can get a hold of us. You can also leave us a voicemail and leave your question that way at 574-222-2000. And once again, uh, we will see you next week right here on Wise Money with Core Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michigan's
0: News Channel. Securities are offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Financial advisors offer advisory services through KFG Wealth Management, LLC, doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC, Corhorn Financial Group, KFG Insurance Agency, and KFG Tax and Business Services are separate entities from Securities America, Inc. Tax services provided by KFG Tax and Business Services and insurance services provided by KFG Insurance Agency. Listen again next week to Wise Money on News Talk 95.3 Michiana's News Channel.